0: Well, good morning, church. Um, you're going to get to hear some really good preaching this morning. It's not going to be me, though. Um, it's so good to have Scott with us. We've supported Scott and Laura for way, way back when they were up in northern India. Uh, of course, they're very close to the to the missionary families here. Uh, we're we're so, you know, Frank and Ginger. Uh, Martin, you and I are a lot alike. We have no excuses. <laughs> His parents led um, so many ministries, and they were actually over the Kiev, Ukraine Theological Seminary. And do you know if the building has been affected by this? It's still standing. It's a beautiful building, and I guess they're still uh, training people for ministry there. But. Uh, this is really good, good for us to have Scott with us this morning, and I want you to give him really good welcome as he comes.
1: the Skalusa, but forgive me, roll tide roll. Amen. Amen. So glad to be, now my grandmother would get on to me. Don't bring that into the house of God, (laughs) so, so forgive me if I offended you, but I love the Lord. I'm so glad to be back here with Pastor Lynn, Sister Lynn, this church that has been such a blessing to us in India and in Israel, and I've known about this church growing up here in Tuscaloosa, going back from when I grew up in Mobile and Montgomery and I knew of the Davises, and uh, and being here in Tuscaloosa as well. And the Davises are some of the dearest people to us, and some of the most faithful people. I believe in the work of God, and it's an honor to be with the Davises, Vernon Davis and Tim. And Tim's a friend, so uh, I can say anything about Tim. And Shelly and and their family. And I'm so thankful to be back at First Assembly here in Tuscaloosa. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to sing a little song and you sing with me and I don't know how to sing. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy. Tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. May everything in our life just bring glory to God. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We are in a sensitive country and we are on live stream, but most of you know where we are. And we're in that nation and we love it there. And just like I said about India, we're not sacrificing being in India when we were there for 11 years and 11 years within this country as well. God has given us the ability to start five new works in that country. Only four have survived. One did not survive, and it's still a heartbreak to this day. Uh, But the people are doing fine. But the place where we were meeting and and everything, the pastor that took over um, was not able to hold it together. Uh, But of those four, I praise God, of those four Different churches, uh, about 150 people, collectively, if you took from those four, 50, 50, 25, and 15. That's 140, isn't it? Yeah. About 140 individuals, and we praise God for them. This country is one of the most um, difficult places in the whole world, and that shocks people. About this nation, that they think, wow, this would be a place that it would be so easy, but it's so difficult. And uh, God is moving in this nation. I'm not discouraged. We had our missions uh, board meeting, and I used the word missions there, but that's okay. We had our missions board meeting, and um, I think some of the people came away a little bit discouraged thinking that we are discouraged, but we're not discouraged. We are encouraged about what God is doing in this nation. And we had one person come to faith this last year. And praise God for that. Praise God for this one lady that came to faith. um, Never in her family history tree had there ever been a person that believed in the new covenant through Yeshua her Messiah, and that she has come to faith, took water baptism, is in our congregation up in the north. And uh, I'm very, very encouraged about what God is doing in, in this nation. I'm going to go ahead and say it, the nation of Israel. And God is moving, and we're getting ready for what God is going to do and how he's preparing a body of believers that is growing in that nation that is stirring up a hornet's nest, that we know that we're doing something because they're really mad and they're really upset and they're coming after the Jewish believers and Yeshua and the nation of Israel. So God is is moving. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and then I'm going to come back at the end and talk about India, talk about Israel, talk about the difference, talk about... Our responsibility as believers of how we respond, what do we do in different situations that God places us in? How do we respond and uh, what is our response to the work of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 3, going to read the first nine verses, then we're going to talk about the background of Paul's ministry, this book. And look at what was happening at Corinth and what is the message from what he is saying here. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. He's talking to the church. I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in the Messiah, in Christ. Isn't that a sad way of speaking to your church? Yes, he founded this church. He established it. He was there for a year and a half. Now he's in Ephesus writing back, and he is saying, but I, brothers, they're brothers in the Lord, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, Not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready. Wow. Now, he's been in Ephesus, he's gonna stay in Ephesus two years and three months. So, at some point that he's in Ephesus, he's writing back to a church that he was there for a year and six months. Then later, he's gonna be in Ephesus. So we're, we're looking at maybe three, four years later, he's writing back to them and saying, you're still not able to receive the solid things of God. You're still infants, you're still babies, you're still drinking milk. Isn't that sad? When you think about the historical context of that. For you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? You're not behaving in a spiritual way, but in a fleshly way, because there are factions and divisions among you. This is the issue here. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human. When we decide that we're part of this group and we're isolating ourselves from another group and one says that I am following Paul and one says I will follow Apollos, that is showing the immaturity that is in the body of Christ. This is exactly what Paul is saying. As believers, we must understand There is one foundation, and that's the foundation of Christ. And I praise God for Paul. I praise God for Apollos, even though we don't know much about him. We know that Priscilla and Aquila explained the word of God more accurately to him. We know that he came from Alexandria, Egypt. We know that he was used by God, and he was trained in public speaking, and he probably had a great public ministry, but we don't know much about him. We know a lot about Paul, but some are saying, we follow Paul. Some are saying, we follow Peter, Cephas. Some are saying, no, we're the Christ group. We're separated from all of you guys, and some are saying Apollos, and some are following other groups, but That is showing the immaturity of the body of Christ in Corinth. Paul is a man of God. Apollos is a man of God. Apollos is not a false teacher here. It's not in that context like 2 Corinthians. He is a man that is being used by God. Verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. The greatest title is to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's the end. That's the beginning and the end. To be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. There are men that planted this church. There are men that came after and others that came after them. One man plants, another man waters on what another individual has planted, but it's God that brings the increase. And when you look at this church, it's all God's doing. It's God's work within the heart's of every person that is here that God used individuals by his glory to remain faithful to the work that God has asked that individual to do. And one person had to plant and another person comes and builds upon the ministry of someone else, but together they understand it is God that brings the increase. It is all for God's glory. It is by the work of God's Spirit. It is the conviction of God's Spirit. It is the fruit of God's Spirit. It is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is a move of God's Spirit. And everything that is happening within First Assembly Tuscaloosa, it is God. God is bringing forth the growth. That is a mature body of believers that understands that reality. God gives the increase. Verse 7. This is a really good one here. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Praise God. Yeah. Brother Davis, we're not anything in India. The person who plants, the person who waters is anything. There used to be a missionary in India that used to say, we're not much, but we're something. But in reality, we're not anything. Because this is what Paul is saying. The one who plants and the one who waters, we're not anything. But only God who gives the growth. Everything is from him. Everything is through him. Everything is to him. Everything is for his glory. It's it's not about us. It's all about him. So all the work that is done for all of your life, everything that you do in ministry, you must understand you're nothing but a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything of significance that happens within this church, that happens in India, that happens in Israel, is all because God is doing something. Whether it's planting or watering, it is God that's bringing forth the growth. And we're not anything. And that takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? Men build churches build a foundation and they think the foundation is about them and they get older and they leave it to their children and their children come along and destroy it. Are you with me? Because we're not anything. I don't build a ministry for my son to take over or my son-in-law to take over, but if God calls them and God plants them and God places them, then God can use them and they're nothing. Because it's not my church, it's not my ministry, it's not our work that is being done in Israel. It's all God's doing. And what we need to do as a body of believers, whatever God has placed upon your life, is to remain faithful to God and where he has placed you and what he is doing within your life. And it's not about numbers And it's not about results because God is the one that brings forth results. So we can relax, we can pray, we can fast, we can trust God, we can have an intensity about what God is doing. We allow God's spirit to work through our lives and at the end of the day, we're not anything. It is God moving through our lives. And this church is not about how Many people are in the seats. Praise God when it's full, but we praise God when there's a few people here. And we praise God when it's just the pastor that shows up. What is important, and I have been there. One of the first churches we planted in uh, India, in the city of Delhi, that has now about 2,000 people. And has 19 other branch churches and nine outside of the Delhi region. For the first two to three years, it was basically he and his wife and his two children. And one of the children died uh, during that time. And they almost, and this is unheard of in India, they almost got a divorce. Unheard of in uh, Indian culture. They stuck together. They didn't know what to do. Sometimes it was just he and his wife, his one child. People started coming after some time. And about seven years ago, I was able to go back to India and preach their, uh, their New Year's Eve service, and there was at midnight over 1,000 people gathered there. With 19 branch churches, 8 or 9 outside of the Delhi region, going strong with the Lord, and he would tell you there's nothing that is here that we did. It was all the work of God's Spirit. Because if it was up to me, I would have quit a long time ago. In fact, we were ready to quit as husband and wife. That's how serious it was. But we held on, and we knew that God had us here And sometimes all we could do was pray. And then God started moving and people started coming and people started getting saved and people were hungry for discipleship. And God started building this church one person, one miracle, one victory at a time. And God is still blessing this church to this day. When we go back and look at verse eight, he who plants and he who waters are one they are one they're not separate one is not greater than the other Paul was there for a year and a half and we're going to talk here in a minute of this spiritual giant that was there for a year and a half that was not a spiritual giant in Corinth he who he who plants and he who waters are one so when Apollos comes later with all of his great preaching And and his public ability to speak. And Paul was not even a good speaker. We can see that from his own writings at times. But they are one. It's one work, one gospel, one Lord, one salvation, one family. Everything that we do, we do together for God's glory. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. And he warns him later, be careful of how you build, let each one take care of how he builds upon it. And so the foundation is Christ. And Paul came and he planted. And when he was in Corinth, he was not a spiritual giant. If you go back to Acts chapter 15, a great victory was won theologically for the early Jewish believers, that we are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, period, full stop. And we, some were saying that you're under the law. You know, in, in Israel, we face that every single day from the believers. We'll have someone come into our congregation and they're dressed in all of their attire and they start praying like this and they start trying to tell the believers you're under the law, that is a different gospel. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and we stand complete in Jesus Christ. And so he is our complete salvation. And so there were some that were believers from the sect of the Pharisees That we're saying that we're still under the law and we are not under the law. And in the book to the letter to the Galatians, if you believe that we're under the law, make sure you keep the whole law. Don't pick and choose what you want to keep and make yourself look more holy than other individuals within the church. Keep the whole law. So you need to be in Israel three times this year. Come and visit and go there for the feast and be there and go through all the ceremonies and don't forget your sacrifices when you come as well but we know as believers Jesus died once and for all for the sins of the world amen Amen. so when we look at this we understand the foundation is Christ be careful of how you build upon it and they decided in Acts chapter 15 they didn't decide, they reaffirmed what the new covenant was all about. It's a transformation from the inside out that was based upon the forgiveness of sins. And so, so they upheld that. And then Paul and Barnabas got into a fight. Have you ever been in a fight with a brother? Not a physical fight, but an argument. And they agreed to disagree and they went their separate ways over a young guy named John Mark. And so Paul takes Silas and they, they start on this second missionary journey co- going out again from Antioch. And they go out and on this journey they end up on the continent of Europe in Philippi. And in Philippi, wow, a great church is established. They leave Philippi, they go I believe to Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Thessalonica they are um, well in Philippi they get put in jail they're beaten in Philippi they go to Thessalonica a lot of persecution in Thessalonica and you see that in his writings back from Corinth to Thessalonica about them standing firm in the midst of the severe persecution that they're going under we're starting to experience that now and it's going to grow and it's going to grow And it's going to continue to grow. I believe that. Stand strong. Be faithful to the Lord within your life. They leave Thessalonica and they went to Berea. The Jews in Berea that believed they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, they both received the word, but in Berea, what? They checked the scriptures daily to make sure what they were preaching was true. They left Berea, went to Athens. And you know the story in Athens, some of them believed within Athens. And after Athens, Athens, when they get to Corinth, Paul is shaky. I don't think he was shaky in his faith. If you go back to Acts chapter 18, God had to come to him in a vision in the night and say, Do not be afraid any longer. Keep on speaking. That's where Paul was spiritually within his life. And if you go with me back to chapter 2, he talks about this fear that he had within the city of Corinth. And God promised Paul in Corinth, no man will harm you in this city. So for a year and a half in the city of Corinth, nobody physically touched Paul. Now we know from his second letter to the Corinthians By the time he was in Ephesus, five times he had received lashes. Many times he had been in jail or in prison. So this was a man that had gone through physical persecution as you look at that letter of 2 Corinthians. But in Corinth, God gave him rest. God knows when we need rest. He knows when we need protection. And he knows when we need to get beaten for his glory. Are you there with me? For a year and a half, no one touched him when he was in Corinth. But let's look where he was as far as his spiritual condition. Chapter 2. Go back one chapter. And when I came to you, brothers, and when I came to you, brothers, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you The testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He just had a simple message. Keeping it on his death, on declaring his resurrection about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ within their lives. And I was with you in what? Weakness and in what? Fear and in much what? Trembling. Later on when Paul writes to Timothy is over 10 years later when he says, and God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power, love and of a sound mind. He knew that from experience. Because he had gone through fear within his own life. And when he was in Corinth, he was not strong. He was what? Weak. He wasn't this mighty man of God preaching and saying, hey, you all have to be like me. I've gone through the lashes. I've been in prison. And I'm strong, so quit your crying and quit your complaining. No, he was in fear. He was in weakness. He was in trembling. That was this mighty man, but he was going to plant the foundation of Christ within the city of Corinth. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. He might have been weak, but God was all powerful in the city of Corinth. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He was not much in that city. In fact, in his understanding, we're not anything. The one who plants and the one who waters is not anything. It is God that brings the increase. It is God that brings the growth. All he had to do is just stay faithful and preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. The pressure was off of him. In fact, he was an individual that probably needed a lot of building up and discipleship within his own life during that time. But he said, I'm weak. I have fear. I have trembling. I've been beat up too many times. I'm spiritually down. But I know who my God is. And I know the gospel is true. And I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we're going to see God do a work within this city amen you look at our universities wow what a place that the devil has taken over you go in there it's impossible but with God all things are possible they control everything not the word of God demonic things are taking place you go in there You tremble, you're weak, you have some fear, you have some anxiety. We had a guy in India that had panic attacks almost every day for 20-something years. Yeah, we're not much, we're something, right? It's not much to talk about. But he stayed there for over 20 years with panic attacks all the time. But when you're in that situation, you look what God has before you you become in a you come to a place god it's all in your hands i'm 100% dependent upon you that's the greatest place to be right there and say, I don't know how the University of Alabama is going to be impacted with the gospel, but I know that it's with God, all things are possible and God, we're going to pray and we're going to fast and we're going to evangelize and we're going to discipleship. And if it's just me showing up for this Chi Alpha ministry and there's hardly anybody else coming, we're going to know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. What brings joy to the Lord is the strength in everything that we're doing. And we're going to worship and we're going to pray. And it's not about numbers because the one who plants and the one who waters aren't anything. We're one and it's God that's going to bring us the increase on this university campus. In this neighborhood, in this school, in this family, with, with my community. Whatever the context is, what is important is that we remain faithful. Amen? Paul remained faithful there. The last verse again, I'll read it, and then we'll move on. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Paul built a foundation, he moved on, Apollos comes later, it's not about Paul, it's not about Apollos, and Apollos probably had tremendous ministry that was there, but factions had built up within that congregation that did not glorify God, and instead of eating good meat, I'm not a vegetarian, I'm a meat eater, all right, instead of eating good solid meat, they're still nursing And still drinking milk. And if we back up and look at the example of this church. Don't allow it to be the example of First Assembly in Tuscaloosa. It's all for God's glory. It's all by God's power. It's not by might nor by power. But by thy spirit, saith the Lord God of hosts. It's by the spirit of God. And once we recognize that. Wow, just remain faithful. Just remain faithful. And God is the one that will bring the growth in the future. Amen? Amen. When we arrived in India, we were building upon other individuals that had come before us that had laid a foundation. Vernon Davis was in Maharashtra, going there and just trying to build a foundation there one of the hardest places in all of India is Maharashtra. Going there, staying faithful, being in the city of Pune and the, in the uh, village of Junar. If you want to go to the end of the earth, go to Junar, India. Yeah. Just to go there and just say, wow, where am I? Yeah. What's your phone number? 27. Okay. So that's, that was it, to go there and... Not, not a lot of things going on, but you have to remain faithful. You have to pray. You can't run home. That's the problem today. People can run home. They can just get on planes and run home. All right? So not to run home, stay faithful. This year, I got called to go do a youth camp in Maharashtra. With a young man that was part of their ministry. Who was left on the side of the road. He's probably preached here. Pastor Nanadar. Has he preached here before? Yeah. He was given the name of the police officer that found him. Nanadar. They didn't know what to name him. But from this man. The ministry and the foundation that was laid. And the investment of the gospel in his life. I'm able to go to a youth camp and to preach to 500 young people, 55 churches, to go back to his church, and I cannot remember, I think it was, I preached three of the six services of that day, and to go back there and just to have the fellowship and to see these young people and these college students just loving the Lord and and that faith within their own hearts, it was so easy but someone had to lay the foundation i was in north india at one time and i was in a city called kanpur and i'll try not to lose it but ezekiel joshua i don't know if he's preached here before but with him he said i want to take you to a cemetery To go to that cemetery, and if you go to a Christian cemetery in a lot of countries of the world, and you go in it, and they'll have crosses on the tombstones, most of them are knocked off, and almost all the crosses in that uh, whole cemetery were knocked off by either Hindus or Muslims that had come, and they would just knock off the cross. And see, family after family, and he would say, this one here, they were up In this part of Uttar Uttar Pradesh. Or they had this ministry. And look that they're buried there. And this was called the graveyard of the missionaries in the past. Northern India. And to see his grave. His wife. His children. And to see the ages of his children. Three, five, and eleven. Go to another plot see the same situation in another plot and he would say they used to be over here in this part of India and do you know most of them spent their whole life planting the seeds of the gospel and saw very few results in what they were doing they saw very few hallelujahs heard very few heard very few amens saw very few results, and they were faithful. Many of them would go to the Nepal border and go up to the Nepalese border, and they would be there. And they could not even go into Nepal. And and in the 60s and early 70s, there were only 50 known believers in the whole nation of Nepal. And they would pray, and they would pray, and they would have like a week together, camp out just praying for Nepal. Did you know today there is, according to government statistics, 10, 15 years ago, 1.4 million Nepali Christians today. In the city of Delhi, which is the second largest Nepali city in the world, Kathmandu number one, Delhi number two, I worked with Nepalese believers every single week within the city of Delhi. And it's so easy to share the gospel with the Nepalese people. They're so open. I found out yesterday, there's 20 at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, 20 Nepalis there on campus studying. Praise the Lord. Think about the opportunities that we have on the college campus. So we, we look at this and everywhere you would go in the city of Delhi, you could so easily share the gospel with the Nepali people. So easily, talk more and more, go to their churches. Their churches are filled and they're evangelizing and bringing more and more. It's so easy today, but 50 years ago, it was so difficult. It was a seven-year prison sentence if you led any Hindu in Nepal to any other religion. That's how difficult it was politically, politically. Culturally, within its own society, it was the only official Hindu state in the world. So you look at that, someone had to pay the price. Someone had to plant the gospel. Someone had to go. Someone had to start the process of planting the field and taking the seeds of the gospel. And then others come later and it's so easy today. To water what was planted that went before them, but it's still God that brings the increase. There are no superstars in the kingdom of God, we're nothing. It's all about the increase that God brings to our lives. What we need to do is show up and be faithful to what God has placed upon our hearts and don't look at the results you might be planting or you might be watering the seeds that someone else planted, but it's God doing the whole process. It is God convicting the hearts. It is God speaking to your life. It is God in the process of discipleship as you take the Word of God and you bring the Word of God to them. It's the Spirit of God moving upon them. It's the fruit of the Spirit within their life, and that fruit is not plural. It is not the fruits of the Spirit, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self control, all this is one fruit. By God's Spirit that is working in the hearts of the people that you're speaking to. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are plural. And they are distributed according to His will. You can't teach anyone to prophesy. You cannot teach anyone to speak in tongues. You cannot teach anyone to interpret a message in tongues. It is the work of God's Spirit. It is given by God according to His will. But it's one body, all for the edification of the body of Christ. It's a work of God's spirit. So we get to India. Wow, it's pretty easy here. Yeah, starting churches. We have a Bible school. 50 graduates, 40, 50 graduates. We have a training center. Training centers are really where you produce your workers in India. We start another training center. We have so many workers, we cannot use them every year. Some are graduating after three years, some after two years, some after six months. And then we're constantly training, starting new works. And you start an outstation church, and they start with 50 from the mother church, and then in two years, they're running 200. So easy. It's just happening. But people laid down their life to bring it to that point. You see what I'm saying? And so we get to go and experience the highs of seeing this great harvest that is coming in, that is still going on, and still taking place because others that have gone before us. And I truly believe that India is going to become the strongest national church in all the world. And I believe we're seeing that. I don't want you to think that there's not work to be done in India. No, there's a lot of work to be done in India. And if you think you're an apostle, it's funny to come back to Birmingham, Alabama and apostle this person, an apostle that person, an apostle here. If you're an apostle, get out of Birmingham and go to northern India and lay the foundation where there is no foundation. That's apostolic ministry according to how Paul defined his own, his own ministry. I aspire never to build upon another man's foundation, he says. So when you look at that, there's so much to be done in India, but there is a harvest that has taken place because people like Vernon Davis and others that went before us planted the seeds. They were planters, And now us younger ones get to come and experience, wow, isn't this incredible what God is doing? Amen? Amen. Then I go to Israel and I show up in Israel and I don't know one believer in the whole country. Well, let me take that black. I knew of an Arab believer in East Jerusalem. That's it. Show up in Tel Aviv. Didn't know anyone in Tel Aviv. Got a real estate person. We want to start a work in Tel Aviv. Found a place in the center of the city. From there, it just grew. From that church, starting, trying to start other churches around the country. Everywhere that we're going, that we have started new works. We're the only work in that region or in that city. To give you an example, we are in uh, the seventh largest city in Israel, 200,000 people. We are the only community of faith in that city, 25 people. That's it. We don't have a Bible school to draw students from. We don't have a Chi Alpha for university ministries. We don't have training centers. We don't have workers. We don't even have workers in the Hebrew language. We're the only church on the Golan Heights that's not in the Russian language. We're in Hebrew and English. I wish we could be full-time Hebrew, but we don't have a worker that can come and take it over. 50 people that could work and to take this over. In India, we worked with about seven or eight different language groups. As soon as they came out of Bible college, we had them. Boom, 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 boom. They're there whether it's in Hindi or Malayalam or Tamil or whatever, the uh, Nepali, um, Punjabi, whatever the language was, we had the workers It's ready to go. And we don't have them. So up in the Golan Heights, we have 50 people. There are two small Russian uh, works up there with what we call the babushkas, older Russian ladies that meet and that's about it and it will die out here soon. But we're it, 50 people, and we don't even have a person in the Hebrew language to lead it. We don't have a Bible school to pull from. We don't have a church planting movement within all of the country. So 99% of everything that we're doing is planting. We're planting. We're just planting. We're evangelizing, planting seeds. We hardly see anyone come to faith in Israel. In 11 years, nine people. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. The one who plants and the one who waters are nothing, but it's God who brings the increase. So everything that you're doing is an act of faith. You say, how did you get 50 believers? They were already believers up on the Golan Heights. They just didn't have a place to gather. They didn't have a pastor. They didn't have an eldership. They didn't have anyone to go up there and to pull them together. And we just show up. And now we have 50 people coming from all different types of theological backgrounds and it, all kinds of uh, ways and thinking coming together. We show up teaching them the word of God and just being faithful to what God has called us to, to do. But in this last year, one lady came to faith. Amen. So when we look at this, we're in the situation that Brother Davis was when he went to India in the 1970s. We're in a situation where we're planting. And it's hard work. It's hard ground. It's a hard place. And it may be the most difficult place in the whole world to really plant the gospel. But it's happening. A person here, a person there, A new congregation here, a new ministry being started, and it's growing and it's growing to the point that the rabbis are getting really upset. And we're not going to stop. We're going to continue until God closes that door. And there's persecution that's coming. There's legislation that's being trying to pass that is directed towards the Messianic community because Jews are coming to faith. And it's getting them real upset. And my response to that is, bring on the brownies. Bring it on. This is fun. Let's get going. Let's be about God's work, God's business. God, keep us faithful. We may not be much. We actually, we're not anything. But God, keep us faithful to what God, what you have called us to do. And by faith, I know that God is going to bring the increase. And God has promised a new covenant Israel. I don't have time to go into that. God has promised a new covenant Israel in the future where he will gather the Jewish people from around the world where he has scattered them, where they have been blaspheming his name around the world and all the nations. He's going to gather them back He's going to give them a new heart. He's going to take the heart of stone. He's going to give them a heart of flesh. He's going to put his spirit within them. And they will have one shepherd. They will have one king. And God will be their God. And they will be his people. And they will never be removed from the land again. Amen. It's a promise. So what do we do with the promise? It's God's work. Just stay faithful. Keep planting, keep planting, keep planting. And someday, some of you young people are going to come and you're going to come to Israel and you're going to say, wow, it is, it, this is easy. <laughs> there is such an openness to the gospel in the nation of Israel. Wow, people are hungry. People want to know more. People want to come. They're running to the gospel. That day is coming. It may not be now, but it's coming. And we're not anything. It is God that brings the growth. And in God's timing, God's way, by God's spirit, Israel will stand as one nation under a new covenant that was promised to them. And they will stand singing, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Everything within me believes that. It's inside of me. So I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged because God's on the throne. Amen. Stay faithful to God. May God use this church for his glory. Amen.